This is Calabucas' Search for Truth. Now, when we talk about free speech, a lot of people talk about things like the public square, right? I mean, when, when we were talking about free speech, when the founders were talking about free speech at the dawning of America, at the beginning of the United States of America, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have smartphones. They didn't have these super high-end telecommunications and technology ways of doing things. Basically, if you wanted to speak freely, you'd have to go to the public square. You'd have to go down to the square in the, in the middle of the town and you'd put up a soapbox and you'd stand on your soapbox and you would start talking and people would listen. And people would walk by and they would listen. But that was the essence of free speech back then. Anybody could walk up there, put down their soapbox, stand up on it and speak. They could say whatever they wanted to say and people would stop and listen or they wouldn't stop and listen. They could ignore or not ignore, right? That's what the public square was. It was the ability for all of us to go up there and speak freely. Other people had a choice. They could listen to us or not listen to us. So whatever happened to that public square? Well, time went by and the public square continued to be the public square. It became something like radio, TV, newspapers. But if you think about it, radio, TV, and newspapers are all run by corporations or governments. Radio, TV, and newspapers are not run by the citizens. They're not run by, you know, you and I who could just put up a soapbox and start talking. So for a period of time there, uh, free speech was basically controlled by all of these uh, corporations and governments. They're the ones who said what could go on the radio. They're the ones who said what could go on TV. They're the ones who said what could go on the newspaper. And unless you had your own pirate radio station or a little newsletter that you would print off and email to, and mail to people, then nobody could hear you, right? Or unless you were one of these people on there or were interviewed by them, nobody could hear you. So you were completely, your voice was stifled. You couldn't, you didn't have free speech. You could free sp speak freely to everybody in your vicinity, but you couldn't get the broad reach, right? And then enter the internet. The internet started with having the capability of allowing anybody in the world to con connect and communicate with anybody else in the world. So there was tons of promise there. And when you think about it, at the very beginning, we were all thinking, well, this is great for free speech because all of a sudden anybody can talk to anybody else. Anyone can set up a website and talk to anyone anywhere else in the world. It was fantastic. First it was websites, then there was... ICQ and instant messengers, and now we have Slack and Facebook Messenger and all these things. So anybody in the world can talk to anybody else. One-to-one -one communications are there, right? So for a while there, it wasn't just one-to-one -one communications, it was one-to-many. I could set up a website and millions of people around the world could come to my site and read what I had to say. Free speech came back to the masses. Came back to the masses. Let's fast forward a little bit further. Suddenly, we have search engines. We have search engines that are a layer between the end users who are reading stuff and the people who are creating stuff. The people here who are creating stuff can be um, news organizations, they can be governments, and they can be people, right? But this layer, such as Google, Facebook, etc., etc., they're the ones who make the decision as to which one of these things at the bottom gets up to you. So they're the ones who decide if the people are going to talk to you or if the news organization is going to talk to you or the government's going to talk to you. They're the ones who make the decisions. They're the gatekeeper. So the reality is, is that they have now become the public square. They are the square where all of these people below, the news organizations, the governments, and the individuals, people like us, can talk, but they are the ones who decide who gets to see 
what we say. And if they decide, if Google or YouTube or Amazon or, or Netflix or whoever, it, these five or six players that people use to access the internet, if they decide they, you, your message is no good for them, then they're going to ban you. They're going to shadow ban you or they're going to reduce your, your uh, level in the search engine so nobody can, will ever find you again. They have become the public square. Facebook is the public square. Google is the public square. Twitter is the public square. Those are all public squares. And the fact of the matter that Google and Twitter and Facebook can actually control who is allowed to go into the square, speak, and leave the square makes them the arbiters of the public square. The public square is no longer a physical place. In fact, if you look at public squares all over the country, hardly anybody's in there on a soapbox at all. The public square is now Facebook. The public square is now Google. And if Facebook and Google and all these other companies decide that you shouldn't be heard, then they're the ones who are stopping you from going into the public square. They're the ones who are eliminating your right, your absolute right to free speech. So yeah, these tech companies are now the public square and they should start acting like the public square. They should allow all points of view to be listened to. They should allow equal opportunity for anybody to be listened to and not just suppress the voices that they don't like the sound of. They have become the public square, which is an awesome responsibility. And they need to take that responsibility seriously by allowing all of these voices to be heard.